Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. All right. Well, welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. And um, man, we got a special treat today. It is episode 60. And so I have a friend on. I'm going to let her tell you about herself. But um, Mindy, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to, the, to everybody and tell us who you are and what you do. Uh, yeah. Hi, everybody. My name is Mindy Foster. I am uh, so a writer, um, part-time student, actually, uh, and also am an, an, an jiu-jitsu enthusiast, teach nice. women self-defense, and also do a lot of ministry-related stuff, teaching, and, and, and that type of thing, too. So. so what would you say like your current job is or role? I mean, that's a lot of stuff. It is, but what pays the bills is uh, I actually uh, manage an office for a large investment firm, oh, and cool. it's just a great—it's a great place to work, and it really kind of affords me the ability to do what I do in a lot of ways. So, but yeah, that's what pays the bills right now, even though it's not my number one passion. That's awesome. So we were talking before about kind of seeing each other. I was on Havila Cunnington's. Um, podcast and then I saw you on your stuff and and so we just connected through Instagram and I just messaged you and said hey I think you know we have a lot of overlapping stuff that we both do that's awesome and I'd love to kind of pick your brain and have a conversation so I really appreciate you taking the time to to do this oh absolutely I pounced at the chance I'm like this is just who knows what we could it's like my two passions I didn't know people talked about this so, <laughs> I'm like if we could talk about both this is great exactly yeah it's not there's not a whole lot of overlapping did you have you listened to the jujitsu episode that I had uh, our instructor on no oh, no not yet okay not yet yeah you need to go back and listen to that one's a good one um shout out to my instructor Mike um yeah we had him on and I, I got him a white belt and uh wrote uh white belt in podcasting on the on the white belt and signed it to him and gave it to him you know promoted him in the podcast <laughs> that was hilarious um okay so kind of tell me your story um and you know in whatever capacity you know we have as much time as you got so um what's your story and what led you to you know where you're where you are now yeah um i was not really like i'm from the midwest uh outside of st louis um, lived in a couple of different places for a short time during my like college age, mm -hmm. but I returned back to that area. Um, that's where I'm at now. I was not raised in church, uh, but I got saved at, like around the age of 17. Okay. And so that plays like a big portion of my life and my story. But even like after going to church for years, being in ministry for years, and uh, just my relationship with God was just kind of a love-hate in my story, to be mm -hmm. honest, because uh, rough background, not the worst family situation by any means whatsoever, but not the healthiest. And so I, I really just really was tumultuous with God, to be honest. And mm -hmm. so through the years, he's really just taught me so much and it's changed me. And so that's that's really what's impacted me. That's the biggest part of my story. If I had to summarize it simply, it would get much more complex uh, if I if I went into great detail. But you know, I I don't even know if I could know where to begin on that one. But that pretty much gets there. Okay. So, what was your kind of salvation moment? Like, where where were you at? What was happening? Can you tell me that? Yeah. So. Um, went to church just because like I hung out with some people who were in a youth group, 
but we partied on the weekends. Like we'd go drinking and doing whatever. So, and, and I, I don't, I, I, I didn't know what a pastor was. I didn't know anything about the Bible, like none of that stuff mm-hmm. and started going to church with these people and, um, things happened in the church. Uh, people fell away from it and I kept going and I couldn't even tell you why, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and that was at like at the age of 15 and it just kept going. And then around 17 is when I re- just remember really dedicating my, my life to Christ, uh, in a moment. And, um, it's kind of been like, yeah, times where I wanted to go back <laughs> yeah. and change it. Cause it's, like I said, it's been a love hate thing between me and God, but, um, man, that that's, I would say that was a huge milestone for the rest of my life. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's that salvation process doesn't, you know, <clears throat> I think Matt Chandler calls it the silver bullet, you know, conversion where there's some people who uh, give their life to Jesus and then everything changes and they never go back. And then there's some of us who are stubborn who, um, you know, take our whole lives to be sanctified and yep, you know, that's me. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, still, still a work in progress. Um, did wait, were you, were you raised in church or? So my or parents, no? uh, my parents grew up, I grew up in DeVille, Louisiana, which is a really country town, uh, small town, Southern Baptist. My, my grandparents were deacons. So, um, and my mom worked for the Louisiana Baptist convention. My parents divorced when I was like eight. And so, um, you know, my mom was awesome and always there. And, you know, both my parents did the best they could with what they had, but because of the divorce, like, I mean, just that in and of itself, you have this huge, you know, uh, inconsistency with what I'm hearing on Wednesday nights and Sunday and then what's going on at home. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, neither one of them were discipled and, you know, in the right way or properly or whatever, because their parents just did the same thing. You know, it was just kind of, you go to church, you hear the gospel and I, you know, they love Jesus and I think they were saved for sure, but you know, they didn't know and have the skill to disciple in the way that I needed. And I think people need. And so Absolutely. I just grew up thinking, well, I don't do these things and I'll be okay. And I, that's what I, I became very legalistic. I was like, okay, I won't drink. I won't cuss. I won't date anybody who does. I mean, I can remember, you know, saying a cuss word and then just feeling so I was running up at my, we had, it's a funny story. I hadn't told it ever. I don't think, but we were, uh, my parents had poured this driveway and it was like gravel. And so there were these huge piles of gravel and I was probably my oldest age now, like seven or eight. And I was running over these things and I had a like machine gun, pretend gun or whatever. And I, you know, I said the S word or something. And as I was getting down, cause I'd seen it in a movie. And then I remember just sitting behind this pile of rocks, like crying because I'd said a cuss word, <laughs> you know, and I went and told my mom and, so, you know, just that kind of mentality, which is mm-hmm. obviously not who God is in my opinion now. Um, right. but then when I went, you know, and I think I like went down the aisle at like eight or nine, but that it wasn't real. And so at about 16 or 17, same thing. I was at a youth group at a youth event and, uh, somebody given the actual gospel presentation about sin and my brokenness and, and it just hit me. And I remember truly repenting and giving my life to Jesus. But then I joined the military and, um, you know, so Jesus was kind of like, be kind to people. I'd always had that kind of counselor mentality, but on the whole other side, I was the same thing, drinking, smoking, you know, girls, porn, whatever, uh, in private and in public, like being a good kid and, you know, doing the right things. And it wasn't yeah. until after military or during the military where the Lord really just kind of humbled me and the trauma and the anxiety and the depression and the breakdown just led me to him and, um, and counseling and, and then since then, you know, that's been a work in progress of 20 years of therapy and working all that out. So that's awesome, though. I mean, I connect to the whole probably my worst years and it happens more often, I think, than what people admit to or even talk about possibly. But like the worst to me happened after salvation. Like I would love to say, oh, man, it was life changing. Uh God just completely, you know, did this radical change in my life. And I know people like that. And that's wonderful. Sure. It is not my story. Not <laughs> at all. So it's kind of refreshing to hear somebody else, you know, and I know that there's people out there, but it's always refreshing to hear somebody else's story come full circle. Things turned out well, we're still working on it, but we came back from the worst. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, uh, I, you know, it's the dark night of the soul. And I think, you have multiple of them throughout your life. It, it's not just, yeah. you know, even a couple of years ago, I had a anxiety flare up and, and had to work through, go, go, go to therapy, you know, in a different way and start doing some trauma therapy again. 
and I got into equine therapy and working with horses and, and jujitsu has been, you know, such a huge man in a way that I could never even, we can, we can geek out about that in a second, but in a way that I could never even think of therapeutically with the community and the idea and the body movement and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just a process. I hope that, you know, there's not another dark night of the soul, but I can say on this side of it, even two years ago, five years ago, eight years ago, 10 years ago, each one, um, now I'm like, Oh gosh, I'm so glad that happened because it's brought me so much closer to Jesus. Not, it hasn't made me a better person. It hasn't made me more holy. It hasn't made me any of those things. It's made him more holy in my eyes and myself more lowly, which then I've been able to, you know, grow even more than that. So I think that's the the difference is I I thought it was going to be, I get closer to Jesus and I'm more like him, which in some ways it is true, but more anything, it's like, Oh my gosh, he's just more magnified in, in my eyes. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does for sure. <clears throat> okay. So what got you? So salvation happens, you, you kind of change and then you, you do the bumpy road thing uh, along the way. So tell me how the little facets of, uh, let's, what well, we can start and nerd out about jujitsu. So how did you get into jujitsu? When, when is that? Tell me that story. Um, jujitsu was, well, um, my mom, I guess I should say that she put me and my brother in like when we were kids like some martial arts and it lasted for a while taekwondo um yeah i think it was taekwondo um me too lasted for quite a bit and you know we were he was my brother was always he's older i'm the youngest out of three and he was just you know we watched all the jean-claude van damme movies um you know yeah yeah so just, it was just something we were always into. And so we did Taekwondo and, and I was relatively decent for my, my age and size, but then that program eventually just kind of shut down. And I, I always loved that part of my childhood. And mm-hmm. when I was a teenager, I was just kind of like, um, I would like to get back into that just because, uh, I stopped doing high school sports and, and stuff like that. But I, I've always enjoyed just being physically active. And so um, it wasn't until my late 20s that uh, in my area, one of the Matt Hughes UFC fighter, he opened a he opened a gym kind of in my area, a couple of towns over. And um, they brought in, you know, several programs and one of them was jujitsu. So the the coach for their um started I had my pastor actually started going there him and his son who are still my coaches to this day now they're black belts now wow that's so good. and uh yeah it really is and so he was telling me about it. he was like well if you want to come check it out um you know we we do it out there and so um went out there tried it at the time my my life like my work schedule and all that just really didn't comply too well with the jujitsu schedule and gyms gyms were not like popular popular like they are now i feel like there's so many gyms around me now and for years we had to like drive forever just to find any type of jujitsu gym so so when did you um, when did you start 20 i i would i was 28 so i'd I think it was like around 2012-ish, 13-ish, yeah, right around that. It's season. wild how how popular it's gotten in the last 10 years. Uh, in the last yes. four years, you know? Yeah, Even, absolutely. Yeah. It's I can tell you probably there's uh, one, probably five gyms that have opened up with in less than in, uh, 45 minutes of me in just five years. Yeah. Which before... It was just unheard of. And I, you know. Well, yeah, you had blue belts and purple belts teaching everybody everything 10 years ago. (laughs) You know, like literally, you know, like the gyms, that was it. There was no, there were no black belts. There were like, people don't realize that, that it's, people know what it is now. Like they've heard of it and they, you know, it's been popularized in general, but, um, that, that's very new. Yes. And they, you know, taught from like, uh, books and magazines and videos. yeah, for sure. Yeah. It wasn't YouTube. There was no, no way. Now you can teach yourself pretty much, you know, you need a partner, but the amount of information out there for the hobby or the sport of jujitsu is just crazy. Oh, it's um, insane. Little jealous. I wish we had it back in the day. Cause I feel like I would be so far along, but you know, it, 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 it is what it is. Well, yeah, but, that's why you get these 18 year old kids who are, you know, 
winning pans. Amazing. Yeah, winning pans. <laughs> and you're like, what are you doing? You know, it's like, that's all they do. They do it seven days yeah. a week, you know, two hours yes. a day and watch videos and read books all day. Yep. Yeah. Well, okay. So what, wh when did you start? Let's see. I started 2000, let's see, right in the midst of, so what happened? Oh yeah. We had my oldest and he had a bunch of food allergy stuff and, um, I had started the pra my practice. So about five, five years ago, I think four and a half, five years ago. Yeah. Okay. So, yep. Started because I was just, I had done Taekwondo for, oh, since I was little. I mean, when I was three, I did Taekwondo and then did some into high school and then high school, you know, got into other sports and, and it just kind of fell off. My uncle wasn't doing the gym anymore, wasn't the instructor. And so I just stopped, um, I think right at black belt. Um, and then, you know, I'm just a kid. So everybody thought, Oh, you're yeah. black belt in Taekwondo. You're so you know cool. And I'm like, no, you don't really know anything. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I can do a jump spinning crescent kick, but that's about as much as a fight I want to get into. And then, uh, joined the military, did some grappling in the army and, uh, just always was really loved that. Like loved to wrestle, loved to like, uh, started watching UFC, um, when it came out because we were all doing Taekwondo. And so I hated Hoist Gracie, like with a passion when I was a kid. It was like, really? this dude's so boring. <laughs> like he never hits no. anybody. He's cheating. You know, like that was my mentality when I was a kid. As a dude, you're like, you want to see people stand up and punch each other in the face. And uh, now I look back and I'm like, that's so stupid. <laughs> like, You know, like that was such a dumb, you know, mentality. Um, and so, you know, got, got through the military. And then one of my clients actually, um, he knows who he is and he listens to podcasts. So shout out to you, uh, DF. But um, he'll, uh, he was like, man, you need to come to jujitsu. I train here in Shreveport and blah, blah, blah. He's like, it's so good for trauma. And I was like, man, I don't have time for that. I'm too old. And, uh, and so one of my friends, Uriah Oxford, uh, one of my counselors on my staff and one of my friends at the time, he was like, man, just come one night with me. And I was like, okay. So he gave me a gi and we went. And, uh, man, it, just that first night I was like, oh, this is it. You know, this is, this is great. And, um so I started training, training in another gym under Crone Gracie for two years, uh, who was an well, affiliate under Crone. Um, and then um, then I moved to the gym I'm in now under Patriot Sauer, and I've been there for over two years, and it's been phenomenal. So, yeah, it's been fun. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, we could talk about it all day, and I don't even care if people care about it on the podcast, but, uh, you know, <laughs> jiu-jitsu people, we <laughs> right, just talk right. about jiu-jitsu forever. But what I, yeah. what I found, oh yeah, but what I found is why they get it, and we can talk about that, is just kind of yeah. uh, the mental health yes. aspect of it underneath it. Yes. So what, what has that been like? Two things, like we'll talk about God and mental health. How, is, how has that played into jujitsu, or how has jujitsu played into those things? Either way. Um, so what, I'll kind of give a, a backstory without jujitsu first. Like for me, a lot of addiction and mental illness runs through my family and a uh, couple suicides, th those types of things. So mm. it's pretty severe and very serious. And I struggled with it really badly um, with just depression and suicide um, when I was younger mm -hmm. and it's, it's gotten better. Um, but that was, that, that was a huge part of my life, I was just like very restless, very reckless emotionally and mentally. Um, I hit it like relatively well my entire life, relatively, mm -hmm. mind you. It, it always surfaces and always bleeds in one way, shape, or form. Right. And it, and it would eventually, you know, uh, I'd find myself in certain situations, scenarios that I should have never been in or whatever. But that's, you know, um, one part of it. And so God really took me on a journey of renewing my mind um, and dealing with like the soul stuff um, and the heart issues. And that's like a huge part of just um, my testimony, my journey. But jujitsu kind of comes into play because it's an out for me. Mm. Like with stress, with it's kind of, you know, two or threefold in some circumstances. Like I always tell people it's always great for self-defense because I do a lot of missions work. <clears throat> and so when you go to do missions work, you're not in the safest places. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Uh, doing outreach, just knowing how to handle myself, um, teaching myself how to respond. Hopefully I don't re you know, like freak out and freeze or anything like that, but 
that I respond in case of an emergency. Um, I respond well, mm -hmm. but then it's also good for stress relief. Just I've never found a better workout than jujitsu. I, I just haven't. Um, Amen. And I, I hate running, so <laughs> yes, uh, not going to happen for Loathe me uh, at all. Yep. But if you teach me sequences and techniques on how to choke somebody, I'm like focused, right? <laughs> so <laughs> um, it's fun that way. And so it's like a good, um, it, like I could have the worst day come into class and just be present 100% in class. And by the time I leave, just feel so much better. And yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way. Mm -hmm. I find a lot of people who struggle with mental health really gravitate towards jujitsu or it's becoming more and more popular. I don't know if you've seen that a lot or oh, not. Oh, definitely. We have a lot of cops, a lot of firemen, you know, a lot of women coming in, same kind of thing, struggling with anxiety, struggling with depression. Um, yeah, there's, there's nothing like it in the sense that, um, for me, it's, it's the one space in my life where I don't think about anything else. You know, like, yeah, I, yeah. like I hate running. I do like lifting weights uh, and I do that a little yes, bit, I agree. Um, but I still think about things the entire time. You know, I'm like, yeah. you know, especially in the day and age that we li live in now, it's like, you know, 20 girls in spandex and you're like, you know, don't look at this. Don't look at that. You're like, pay attention, you know, lift weights. Don't talk to this guy too much. This guy comes over and says, Hey, can I use that? You know, there's like all this distraction and then my brain's going everywhere. And it, in jujitsu, it's just jujitsu like that's it and so i get done yeah. and i'm like oh i did not think about anything else except for this for an hour and a half absolutely and that's just you know not having to struggle in any area but do, you know but doing the next move and and getting the workout in and yeah well it requires you like all of you to be honest uh -huh. if you're not if you're not present like 100 percent present on the mat like you can get injured so it really is smarter for you to be focused and, you know, zoned in on uh, the technique. And so I, I also find just like I'm trying to it, it's like helps problem solving, which requires deeper thought, too. And so if I'm trying to figure out how to um, like go through, like I'm working on uh, butterfly guard, mm -hmm. but they're beating me around this every single time, this situation. Well, instead of responding and only thinking in this one way, um, I learn how to think in a different direction and use the opposing force. And so just that right there, like last night I was working with one of my coaches and I'm like, I've never seen anybody use that grip before. Um, and I've, I'm like, I need to utilize that. That was so smart. So just it makes me think outside of the box constantly and oh, it challenges yeah. me to do that constantly so yeah. i think that's also beneficial definitely because when you struggle with anxiety and depression and and for people listening who don't care about jujitsu you know this is our thing but like you can have a thing that you're really into that you give space to your mind to think about it could be yeah. woodworking it could be you know it yes, could be absolutely. running it could be you know whatever it is you know, with anxiety and depression, so much of the time you're filling your head with things from the past, things you're ashamed of, yes. things that you wish you would have done differently, conversations that you should have had, or the future, which leads to this anxiety of this conversation's coming, this thing is, you know, I got to get better, I should be doing this yep. more, this job's going to happen, this career's going to happen, this relationship needs to happen, and you're just full of anxiety. And so any, yep. anything that you can do to get yourself in the present, you know, in the moment, um, I feel like that's where God is and that's where happiness and joy and peace is, is in the moment. And so jujitsu is just a great way, a catalyst to get you in your body in the moment. And I think you're hundred percent right. If you can't, you can't, my instructor says you can't lie on the mat all the time. You know, he's like, you just cannot lie. <laughs> you know, like you can't just lay there and you can't lie to anybody because if you're, yeah. if you have some ego, if you have some pride, you're not going to be able to keep composure. You're going to lose your temper. You're going to lose it. Yeah. And with jujitsu, if it's somebody higher ranked than you, it doesn't matter if you lose your temper, you're just going to waste a bunch yeah. of energy and a bunch of <laughs> spazzing around and still end up getting choked <laughs> out. Yep. <laughs> so it's a very humble, you know, when you, I remember a couple, there's been probably two times if I'm, you know, two or three times where I've gotten frustrated. Most of the time I never, I just love it. There's been a couple of times where I put expectations. Okay. I need to do this to him because I, last week I, d I was able to do it or I'm wanting to be better. So I need to try this. And none of it went wh where I wanted it to go. And I found myself no, being really no. frustrated and it's like, you can't fake it. Absolutely. And no matter how much frustration you have, like you can't do anything with it. No, 
they can't and it's i'm kind of with you on that i've there's been there's times when i do get frustrated with it just because uh i don't know if i have a higher expectation of myself which gets put into reality very quickly or um i just get frustrated with trying to figure out how do i improve when i feel like everybody else is improving with me Mm -hmm. and i can't see the difference (laughs) in that and so i'm like what do I need to do to set myself like not even just set myself apart to be impressed with myself, but I'm like, I need to know for my sake that I'm not just inputting energy for nothing. Like I want to know that I'm doing the right things and learning the right technique and, you know, but you know, then you have these younger guys who just come in and like, just, they can run all over me. And I'm like, dang it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not, I'm just, and I do, I'll get frustrated, but then I just back off and and I just have to really check myself and be like, do you know how lucky you are at your age that you get to do this? Mm -hmm. You know, there's some people who would love to be able to afford the opportunity to do something like this and they can't for whatever reason, Definitely. but just having to check that, that, that attitude um, at the door really quickly sometimes and myself really helps, but you're right. Like, I feel like the more I the more I learn about the sport, the more I'm on the mats, the more I just kind of spend in jujitsu, the less like cocky I kind of feel like, or pressure. I just enjoy it more. I do. I just, I'm like, man, I got swept and it was just so much fun. That's how I look at it now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I I love now. Choked and laugh. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. When you can like, that happens and you're like, man, great job. Can you, what did you do right there? Like, how did you do that? You know, yes. like that's where yes. I think white belt and blue belt, it's so hard to, to have that mentality. Cause you're just white. You just don't know anything. I mean, you're just literally surviving uh-uh. and then blue belt, you think, you know, something. And so you're trying to apply it. And that's when I think the frustration, that's why so many people quit at blue is cause they get frustrated thinking I'm going to make this happen. Cause now I know it. Right. And it's like, that's definitely right. not going to happen. And then I feel like at least at purple, I've just kind of relaxed into we're going to have fun and I'm going to, you know, do whatever. And I'm not thinking about catching people or not catching people and who's better and who's not. And, you know, right. all, all that kind of stuff. But it, there are days where it's, you know, it's frustrating. I hurt my shoulder a couple of weeks ago and I haven't, I, I got back in there yesterday and just trying to not be frustrated with like not being able hundred percent. And so I was like, okay, how do I roll and enjoy it and appreciate it? Not being able to kind of use my right arm and, you know, at the end, I was like, that was great. You know, I, I had to do a little things differently. I had to kind of find ways to, to be inventive. And, and then I think, oh man, people, you know, would like you said, would love to be able to do this, but they're injured and they can't even get in here, you know? Well, like, um, we talk about a couple of times, uh, I think my coach, uh, shout out to Josh McKinney. He has a podcast called, uh, I suck at jujitsu. And, um, <laughs> He talks about, I think Sean Williams has brought up often how you just have to learn to not use as much muscle. Like it's, it's kind of impossible not to use muscle, but to just try to roll with less of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like the older I get, the more I have to do that because I cannot grind it out like some of these guys I can't match strength for strength I can my body doesn't recover as quickly as it used to and so just I, I'm not even kidding you I just came back a couple of weeks ago from taking three and a half weeks off from hurting my shoulder um I'd had surgery on it 10 years ago and I thought mm. I just re-injured the entire thing and I was like kind of bummed but uh I found out it was really more of a neck thing yeah and so I'm I, I feel like the more I try to progress in jujitsu, even the older I get, it reveals the physical weakness in me, mm-hmm. which makes me try to strengthen myself and get healthier uh, off the mat. That's right. So yeah, you don't want to even eat, though it, you know cane, yeah. canes before you go roll. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no KFC. <laughs> that's right. But I mean, that's it, again, that's another aspect of of taking care of yourself and doing something that makes you focus on growth and health is like you don't want to ruin that thing by doing another thing and then it starts to show all the connective pieces like oh i need to get a good night's sleep and i need to drink water today and i need to eat subway instead of whatever crap i was going to put in my body so that i'm not Uh miserable when i go in here with these people who are you know going to try to kill me yep absolutely my my 
so my other coach, which is, uh, it's like a father son coach who runs, runs really the gym portion of it, even though we have other black belts, but the father, my pastor is uh, 60. Mm. And so he really leans on the old man jujitsu type of mentality. And I, and I love it to be honest, because it allows me, it affords me to go with guys more so. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm not a small girl by any means, but even so, um, the way that men and women are built pretty differently, it, it still presents a challenge. Right. Mm -hmm. So definitely, um, Although I tell you what, I've rolled with some women who were small who would whoop your butt in a second. Absolutely. I I love seeing it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I rolled with a blue belt in Las Vegas when I was a, I think I was a white belt. And, uh, and I went over and she was small and man, she busted my lip. Like she raked my, she raked my teeth across my lip (laughs) with her forearm. I was like, this girl is not playing, you know. We we have some teenagers, girls uh, who are. I, I'm just amazed. I'm like, by the time they get to their twenties, they're going to be killing people. They're amazing. <laughs> they're amazing. But yeah. Um, rolling with guys. I think the, the first I was within first three months of jujitsu. So I knew nothing, nothing. And my work schedule only allowed me to do one day a week. So I missed so much of what was being taught. Right. And, uh, this guy put me in a rape choke and I did not know how to respond mm. like whatsoever. And it freaked me out because I, I was like, uh, I want to respond. You don't know how to respond. And then you're feeling the choke and you're new to it. So, you you know, and you're spazzy. It was just a bad situation yeah. altogether. And so when I told my, you know, my coach, he was like, well, what did you do? I'm like, I tapped. I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to do, but I didn't mm-hmm. feel like the guy I felt like it was kind of a dirty move. Yeah. He was like, well, it kind of was to be honest, but this is what you do next time. And so, uh, I'll never, I'll just never forget the stress I felt, even though it was supposed to be a safe environment. You you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and that doesn't happen often, but like when I teach women self-defense, you know, some of them deal with like high anxiety from past trauma right and so i tell them this is a safe atmosphere to feel the pressure of uh you know this is kind of like safe anxiety in a sense and so learn how to embrace the stress of the situation the choke and then learn how to fight through it absolutely because the more that you teach yourself to do that hopefully that muscle memory will carry over into real life scenarios yeah. And it empowers, you know, from their own trauma. It, it's kind of a, um, we do EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing here. And it's helping them kind of re-experience that pressure and that stress inoculation in that moment so that they can, when they go back to the old memories or the old time, they feel empowered. Like, okay, well, if I would have known to do, I didn't know what to do and that's okay. Oh, that's awesome. You know? And, um, and so I think that's another way that it helps is like, if you can learn that part of your brain that learns to, to think under pressure and to figure out what to do under pressure in, you know, in a safe space, you know, even though you're getting choked, like you're not going to get killed, you know, you're not going to get injured if you're with good training partners, but there's that space where it's like, Oh man, I need to, I need to calm down. I'm not, I yeah. told, you know, when I'm rolling with new guys all the time, I'm like, okay, hey, hold on, hold on. Are you, am I choking you? No. Are, are you in a, you know, any kind of joint, problem twist Ben, no then chill out you know if i'm not right. choking you and i'm not arm locking you like what's going on you know why are you floundering and flipping out it's just because nobody likes to be held down nobody likes to be under that pressure everybody's afraid of what's going to come they want to win and so over Absolutely. years and years when you can go okay what how can i think and do this and i think you know a lot of military a lot of firefighters a lot of first responders they get that training unfortunately they get dosed with all the trauma they have to see and, and experience. And so it doesn't always go well, but in jujitsu, you're getting the, 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 all the pro with none of the con. And in, mm. in, my, in my opinion, if you're in a safe place anyway. Yeah, so, absolutely. So you, wait, wait, what did you call it? What was the, uh, stress inoculation? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it, if that's something I can look into, I would love to like implement that a little bit more for self-defense. That's, that's great information. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's just that idea of putting yourself in a, again, and this goes, you know, it's cancel culture these, these days, but like it goes against popular culture opinion of like, 
stress in general. You know, right now we're living in a world where it's like any stress is bad and self-care <laughs> should be chosen right. at every rate if something's uncomfortable. And it's a spectrum, right. you know, it's like, no, you should definitely know your boundaries and know your worth. I was doing a talk about this this morning at for these this nursing home uh, group. But it's like, you know, yes, self-care is important. Don't burn yourself out. Say no. But not everything that you say yes to is going to be comfortable. And not Absolutely. everybody's going to agree with your opinion and not everybody's going to support your opinion. And so how can you stay with that and stay with your boundaries? And also there's going to be some pain. Yeah. You, you know, C.S. That's Lu so good. Lewis talks about the difference between pain and suffering and it's, you know, pain is part of life. Suffering is sometimes, a, you know, part of life too, but it's your perspective on if it's pain or suffering. Sometimes it's just painful. And, oh, I love that. That's so good. That's good. Yeah. So it's just teaching people those kind of tenets underneath it. And, and for me, that's like all mental health stuff. I mean, this is just outside of jujitsu. This is the things we need to learn in our offices, you know, and in our work and in our discipleship is, you know, what, what are these things and what do they mean? What do they say about me? And usually yeah. if you're a Christian, the answer is nothing. You know, your worth and values in Christ and who he says you are not in any of this nonsense. Absolutely. Yeah. Putman Restoration is a proud sponsor of the Asking Why podcast. Putman Restoration specializes in commercial disaster services, including water damage, fire, smoke, mold, and storm. Their goal and desire is to get your properties up and running as soon as possible after disaster strikes. Hospitals, schools, hotels, and large municipal buildings, malls, churches, and large commercial properties are their specialty. Manage properties nationwide? No problem. Putman Restoration services their clients nationwide. They are strategically partnered with elite restoration companies throughout the U.S. and Canada, giving their clients resources during disasters where normal companies would be tapped out. Trust the professionals at Putman Restoration when disaster strikes. Visit them online at www.putmanrestoration.com or give them a call at 318-453-5029. So tell me... Uh, what are you doing as far as women empowerment? Kind of how'd you get into that part? So you, you've been training, you've been doing some jujitsu and then when did it branch off into you, you know, on your Instagram page, people can go to it and check it out. Um, what's your, what's your at for your Instagram? Uh, so <clears throat> my last name's Foster. So it's just the first two letters. It's fo Mindy 82. Gotcha. Uh, that's Twitter and Instagram, uh, F O M I N D I 82. And yeah. so either, either one of those, but it, it was kind of an interesting thing that, um, like it kind of shifted when I got my purple belt right around the pandemic, everything shut down right after I got my purple belt. And, but the desire I had for at least my own gym was to just build a, a, a bigger and more comfortable atmosphere for women to do jujitsu, mm -hmm. but the pandemic, obviously. Yeah. Um, however, um, there was just opportunity with girls and geese, the women's jujitsu organization, uh -huh. they reached out. I, I can't even remember completely how they came about with this, but uh, I started doing articles and writing for her on the side, just as kind of, uh, I just looked at it as a learning opportunity and something I can have fun with and maybe just grow and learn and, and learn in my writing. But, <clears throat> um, just doing that kind of made me think more so about it. And plus with, with missions, I, I had heard, um, I'd read upon the story, I can't even find it anymore, but they started teaching women's self-defense in Africa and the rape statistics dropped um, noticeably. And I looked at that and I was just like, man, that's, wow. there's opportunity for, for this. And, you know, and I dug into more statistics and it is proven statistically that the more that women engage in a women's self-defense program, not just a one-time class, but the more that they go into like at least a 10-week program, the chance of occurrences in rape just drop. Wow. And um, I look at that and, you know, in countries where HIV is high, there's not, um, you know, opportunity for them to have um, any type of like, there's not condoms or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Contraception. We, we, yeah, thank you. Um, it's just kind of crazy. Some of the health problems that happen along with the occurrences of rape. And so um, that was just something in the back of my mind where it was like, if I ever get a chance to, because I go to Haiti a lot um, 
and which is that's a huge problem yeah. um the philippines uh, also just not even doesn't even have to do with rape but just safety yeah and so i would just love to be able to teach young women and or missionaries or you know ministers just anybody uh, how to defend themselves if they ever needed to yeah. because i just think it's a vital um and crucial um you know basically skill to have yeah that's awesome that's amazing yeah i think <laughs> i think that's so true what so the flesh this out a little bit. What do you think? Why does it reduce it? Like, why does it uh, reduce? I think for me, anyway, and, and I can tell you just from my experience, I, we we kind of talk through how to eliminate the occurrence in general. Mm-hmm. Um, now, some of these third world countries where they're in orphanages and there's you know sex trafficking, you're not going to be able to eliminate that, right? Mm-hmm that's a more extreme circumstance. But when I do a self-defense class, that one of the first things I do is I talk about their why. I want to know why you signed up. Mm-hmm. I want to know the history behind that. Some of it is just because, you know, you're uh, a, you know, a woman who's all about the confidence and being a butt kicker and, and you love to, to have the tough side of you and you love to fight and whatever. Um, and I mean that in a good way, in a good sense, they yeah. like the, the toughness of it. But then some of them are like, uh, I came out of a domestic abuse situation. Mm-hmm. And so we, we go through that and we also just talk about, okay, how do we not put ourselves in a situation? Like one of the biggest things I'll tell women is when we're walking, and I know every, like, especially women, a lot of times if they're mothers and, and successful business women, when they're going to and from somewhere, uh, their heads at their phone, catching up on emails, texts, phone calls, whatever. Uh, get your head out of your phone and be aware of your surroundings. Yeah. Always tell them that there's nothing wrong with taking a phone call. There's nothing wrong with taking a jog and putting your earbuds in, but do not completely zone out to where you don't know what's going on around you Mm -hmm. because that makes you an opportune victim there. And so um, by doing that, we're just trying to eliminate some, some, some things that are within our control, right? Right. Some things aren't, but if they are, let's eliminate that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I hear you saying it's not anybody's fault if those things happen or if that's what it, what it, you know, the se- sequence that occurred, but we're talking about prevention and with preventing, yes. you have to be mindful about what are some options that you can control. Yeah. It's, it's super right. good. Yeah. Because well, and then additionally, sorry about that. No, uh, but go. additionally, like I said before, we kind of put ourselves in those scenarios where, Uh, I was dealing with somebody who has really bad anxiety and claustrophobia and I slowly exposed her to situations in positions with jujitsu to where, uh, you know, we said when you are really, really on the verge of a panic attack, say tap, but if not, let's just slowly close in, feel the choke, feel the position, feel the weight of their body on you, making you uncomfortable, but know that it's okay. And Mm -hmm. you're learning you're learning and that's a safe space to be in. Absolutely. Yeah. So what we try to do is in therapy, right. Is in that, in the room, when you're talking with somebody, it's the same thing. It's like, you want somebody to feel the pressure of a hard conversation or the grief of a loss or the emotion of their trauma, but not too much, but you don't want to, you don't want to be so overwhelmed that they either explode or they disassociate and check out. Right. And so I I can imagine with women, it's like, okay, I need you to feel the pressure enough, but I don't want you to, I want you to stay connected, right. As we would use that term, but I would also use it in like an attachment sense. Like I want you to be here and feel safe and be connected that we're working together on this thing and you don't have to check out, but you don't also have to flail around and freak out. And we got to hold this, this space in the, in the middle and that builds these neuropathways and these connections to where people are like, oh, okay, okay, I can handle this. And then the next time they do it, their window of tolerance is wider. Does that make yeah. sense? So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's trying to get teach women that, you know, or men that their window of tolerance can be wider and wider. But it's not going to go from, you know, a tiny window to a, a stained glass, you know, wide spread window. It's <laughs> right. going to take some time. Absolutely. Yeah. That's cool. 100%. That's cool. I like that a lot. Um what um what are you currently doing do you teach classes every week like how do you kind of spread yourself out in that i that's a, that's a good question because i just started like been doing stuff in the gym for a long time obviously just 
you know, if there's girls there working with them or going to girls open mats, but I just started offering women's self-defense at like one of the local colleges. I did a class there and then opening it up to my gym, but I just, there's not a lot of prime time mat space for yeah. our gym, which is usually during the week. So it's yeah. harder to offer a class on the weekends for at least the people that I, I know and have been contacted by. And so um, I'm, I'm trying to gauge that. That's been kind of a trial and error situation right now in this season. Cause I, I told my coach, I said, you know, I love doing it. I love it. But with school and work and then doing my own classes and training, you know, I can't do six days a week. I, I just can't, I'll burn out and mm. I won't be, I'll be wasting other people's time. I won't be a good coach and teacher. I just, so I've been in, introducing it and offering it private lessons for those who are interested. Um, and then like I'll pick a month that I know I can handle. It's not a ton going on. And for, Every Saturday in that month, I'll do a self-defense class. Right. So, so do more of like a 10-week course or a, you know. It, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. I'm just, I'm trying to gauge that. That's been, it's, I, I'm, I'm working on it. It's under construction. I, yeah. I'll put it that way. That's awesome. <laughs> well, it, it needs to be done and there needs to be more of it. Um, you know, we have some awesome female trainers at our, our gym and they're great. And, you know, they they, we do a self-defense class and. Um, we've had them go out to different, like we work with a human trafficking organization and they've gone out and taught their oh, staff. Awesome. And, um, so, you know, getting to see that empowerment and you're right. I think in general, knowing, knowing that you know how to do something reduces the likelihood of getting into a situation because of just your own confidence and your own stance and your own awareness, whether male or female. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. you know, because when you're anxious and you're nervous and you have no clue what to do, you make bad <laughs> decisions. But when you feel confident about it and you know how to get away or what to do or that you're okay, then a lot of times you can talk yourself out of it because of just your own posture, your own awareness, your own situation. And the bad guy, let's say they pick that up, you know, they want to, they want victims. They don't want somebody difficult. You know, they don't want somebody who might look like they know what they're doing or holds their self differently. They're going to move on to, you know, prey. They don't want, they don't want a predator. Um, and so, you know, that doesn't mean you have to train every day or every week or whatever, but I think it, it's good for, you know, if you're going to exercise, if it's already part of your routine to learn a little bit of self-defense and, and, you know, you never know what, what comes out of it. You could be teaching classes all over the place. Well, and, and, and it's so cool to be a woman in jujitsu right now. Can I just say that? Because when I first started going to my gym, um, this, and this is a different gym because the other one relocated. Um, and my coaches opened up their own school. Um, and so when I first started going it, or even still, even six years ago, five years ago, I was like one of, I was the, either the only girl or one of very few girls that would show up to class. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm seeing just women in jujitsu, like explode like this is the time, the era or whatever. Uh, I've never seen it more popular and I love it. I just think it's so awesome. And I wish I had it when I was a little bit younger, but Hey, you know, better late than never for this. I just think it's, it's just so cool. Yeah. What, what do you think some of the, the pros and the cons are of being a woman doing jujitsu? Like what are some of the things that, that if a woman's <laughs> listening to this, who is either training with you or, you know, that listen and train or that are thinking about training, what are some of the, let's start with the kind of difficulties of being a woman that you've overcome. And then what are kind of the pros? And I know there are a couple of those that are hand in hand, but. Uh, so I don't think, so a lot of, uh, and I don't know, I can only speak to the atmosphere of my gym sure. and the gym that I was at previously when I started. And the gym that I was at previously was an MMA gym. So that's a very intense environment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you got guys who are, are doing, they're trying to do this for a living. And so when they're doing this for a living, you're not, you know, they'll treat you a little bit different, differently than a hobbyist. They're more intense. The chokes are going to be harder. They're going to go for the technique more. Injury is going to be more prevalent uh, because this is like they're going for the gold and they're just not doing this for a Monday night evening to enjoy themselves. Right. Right. Um, so that was that was part of it. And with with that intensity that I saw it was, it's just intimidating. It's very intimidating for a woman to come in and feel like she's 
good to learn. Like she's welcome there. She's not going to be hurt. She's not going to be, um, and there was a couple of ego trips in there. Like it, even if I was good at one or two techniques that if I got it on somebody, some guys, you know, were mad that a female was kind of showing them up. hundred um, percent. Yeah. But that really can go both ways, right? It's just, I think a little bit harder and I'm not making excuses for women, but, um, it is hard to show up. And I even 10 ish late, t- yeah, 10 ish years later. I still feel a little bit of anxiety showing up for certain classes. Oh, definitely. It doesn't go away. You just it just gets easier to choose to go over it and not listen to the intimidation. But I've talked to guys who are intimidated coming into class. Sure. You know, they're they're just more, you know, they they just feel super uncomfortable and and they, you know, they're trying to learn and whatever, but I, that that is part of it. It is an intimidation factor. I think uh, some guys, it's kind of awkward learning with some guys because they don't know how to handle a female. <laughs> They're like, is it okay to touch you here? Is it okay right, like to, if, you if know, my elbow bumps movement. your breast, like what yeah, am I supposed to yeah, do with myself? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I remember like the first time rolling with a girl, I was like, what is happening? Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, you know? So on both ends, like ladies, if you roll with guys who have never rolled with a girl, please be patient with us. We, you know, some of us genuinely are trying to learn now. It's fine. I don't even yep. ever even think about it. Uh, right. Right, shout right. out to Amber. She's one of my favorite partners to train with, but we laugh about it all the time. We just talk about it. And I think that's the other thing. So if you get good partners, just acknowledge it. You know, just say, Absolutely. hey, listen, if you bump this, like, it's fine. Like, no big deal. Like, if you hit me, it's fine. Like, she'll knee me in the groin. And she's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I can't pass that way because you actually have some there. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you do. So it works both ways. And so I think if people just, you know, have the community in the gym to just open up about that. And, man, I just think that that, that goes to all of society. You know, if you're dealing yeah. with an African-American in your life or, uh, you know, a Caucasian person in your life or just name the differences. You don't make a big deal about it, but just say, hey, listen. I know you're, you're black or African-American or you're white. Like, how do you feel about this? Like, what are we going to do in our relationship between each other? Don't make it this generalized issue. And right. I think jujitsu does really well. Like each girl, each guy is going to roll a little different and you have to have that conversation sometimes. Yes. Well, and there's people on the mat that uh, I was telling a friend of mine this the other day, we were just kind of talking off to the side after class. And uh, I was like, there's people in here I would never cross paths with except because oh, yeah. like jujitsu, like that's the only reason we say that otherwise, go ahead. No, I was going to say, we say that about church all the, like me and Mike, our instructor, he, he preaches sometimes and is a Christian and he says, you know, don't you wish the church was like this? And I'm like, yes, I wish that, you know, I wish yeah. the church was more like, I feel connected to people and they're a lot different and they look a lot different. And, you know, I always love the memes of jujitsu with like the, I think it's Elijah Woods rolling in on the scooter with the uh, helmet on and it, and it's like, this is the guy who chokes you out every week. <laughs> so true. I can like, you say that and like three people in my mind from my gym popped up. I'm like, that's them. That's so them. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you would never think it. And with a gi on everybody, you know, you can't tell. I mean, if somebody's really tall right. and really big, you can tell. But in general, like that whole aspect of like, oh, they're in really good shape. So they must do X, Y, Z or, oh, they're cut up. You, you, you know, you got this big white fluffy thing on like, you can't tell much. And, and even the guys who are, you know, or girls that are bigger or not in as like good a shape, you know, they just trounce you and you're like, wait a second, yeah. this, this 45, 55 year old man looked like he was, you know, hadn't worked out a day in his life and he just mopped the floor with me for five minutes. Yep. Absolutely. So funny. Absolutely. So that all is, you know, humbling. And, and I think again, just brings it back to me, to the gospel, to this, this kind of humbling, uh, centering, space of like we're all god's people we're all we look different we have different backgrounds different situations but we have to find ways in america and in our churches and in our communities to to find the things that we're more alike in than the things that we're different in and jujitsu is a good caveat for that it really is actually it was really good okay so um i know i know we got to wrap up in a second but um, what, what suggestions would you give to people if they're out there and, you know, I know, well, let, I don't want to miss this. So we got plenty of time. So I'll scratch that. Tell me about your writing and your blog and, uh, and what, what you're doing with that. And how'd you get into that? Uh, so honestly, writing was just a response as a, as a, a call to feel responsible with what God has given me in my life mm-hmm. to just sit on 
the things that he had really brought me through and uh, not give back in a sense. Um, I've always had a little bit of a writing undertone to me in my life. Like if I look back as a kid, I would do it all the time. I uh, had a really good teacher who taught me how to write very well. And then not that I'm an amazing writer, but some people just are like, I don't like writing. Yeah. yeah. And, and he kind of you do brought a great it job. to a comfort level. So thank you. But uh, I, we were just having a conversation one day with me and a couple of the girls, um, close friends of mine. And we were just talking about like, what is, what are you doing with what God has given you? And at that time it was nothing. I'm not doing anything. Mm. And so I wrote a book. Um, I didn't intend on like really publishing it. I just wanted to figure out a way to like even go to um, like staples and print it out and just, just say that I did it and like hand it out to people if they wanted it. Yeah. But then, then it turned into like this, well, if you're going to do this then you need to do this. And well, if you're going to pay for this and you might as well do this. So I knew nothing about publishing and then I got wrapped into just doing the book and I released it and it's, it's okay. It was the best I could do in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like my first project, but then with the pandemic, I just was finding myself struggling really, really bad on Mondays going into work because I wasn't getting, you know, people were losing their job and and I was grateful that I didn't have that situation, but I was also very burnt out and struggling. And so the building your momentum devotional, I created as a way to get out of my own head and attitude. Um, that if I hated Mondays, then I need to do something about that. And so me doing something about that was that devotional. Okay. And where can people get that? Uh, so there's, just a, it's buildingyourmomentum.com. Okay. And uh, if you scroll down to the bottom, I send it out. I email it out every Monday, early morning. I keep it very quick for people who are busy and just want something short. And maybe, you know, I just respect time and busy people. So I, I try to keep devotionals very short for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're good. I read, I read through some of them uh, the last couple of weeks as we've been kind of connecting and looking at the podcast stuff. You do a great job. I love, I, I do love that. I love that it's, it's concise enough and, you know, quick enough for people to, get, but, it, but it's great. It's, you know, good, good, encouraging things. And I think there's, there's not enough out there. So it's, it's definitely using real practical examples in life and then, you know, using scripture to back that up. It's been, it's really awesome. So people should, should definitely check it out. And hopefully some of my listeners will come over there and check it out. Most of the time when I have somebody on people, you know, will text me afterwards or email me afterwards like, Oh, I loved her or I loved him. And I got on their stuff and got their stuff. So hopefully, hopefully people will do that. Well, and honestly, to me, I just, uh, encouragement is just a huge part of my life and a, something I'm, I mean, yeah, passionate about writing, passionate about, you know, jiu-jitsu and some of the other stuff, but behind that, behind all that is encouragement. Yeah. That's why I love to do it. And so if people just need a little bit of encouragement, um, then yeah, absolutely. It's free. Sign up for it. You might as well. <laughs> Everybody can afford free, right? <laughs> That's right. Well, and encouragement <laughs> is in such short supply. I think, you know, people don't realize like how little it is that somebody tells them you did a great job today or thank you so much for doing this or, Hey, this absolutely. meant a lot to me. People think that the people that are out there doing stuff get encouragement all the time, but they, they don't, you know, not in, not, not in the book right. that they're doing stuff. So that's right. something to remember for everybody listening is just, you know, if you got those people in your life that serve you and that help you, man, be an encouragement to them and tell them thank you. And they're doing a good job. So yeah, I say that to you, Mindy, thank you so much for all the work you're doing with jujitsu. Well, you know, first and foremost with yourself, like just the, that you've allowed God to work in you and use you and your trauma and your history to make beauty from ashes. And, um, and that people can look at your life and see, Oh man, God does work you know, good for those that love him. And, and not only does he just work good for them, but then that, you know, goes into different communities and jujitsu and writing and, and online stuff and, and all the things you're doing. I'm sure your full-time job that I'm taking you away from now, uh, you, you can, uh, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> yeah. You get your lunch break. Um, you know, that, you know, the same thing, there's an overlap where you pour into people there and, and all of those extra things help us to do that better. So I'm thankful for you and I appreciate your time today. No, not a problem. Same to you. Honestly, like just knowing that there's communities out here that don't just hit one portion of my life that I love, but hit several cross points um, and overlap. I just was like, man, there's more and more. I, I feel like more and more I'm finding Christians, 
people in ministry doing jujitsu. I'm like, that's just awesome. I love to see that. It, it just is kind of uplifting in a sense to see it. And so when you contacted me, I was like, no way. I didn't know that you did jujitsu. I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just appreciate the opportunity. I, I just thought it was fun. It's so much fun. Well, good. Well, I really appreciate you. I'm going to email you some stuff after this and we'll stay connected. And, um, I got some ideas. So I'm always, when I have a conversation, I was like, Ooh, this, I was writing stuff down while you're talking. Um, so I'll email you and we'll connect. And those listening, check out uh, Mindy's stuff on Instagram, check out her, the website she just listed and her books and her blogs and all that stuff. And, uh, Mindy, I appreciate you. And if you need something, just email me. Thank you. To the rest of you guys, God bless you and have a good week.